episode of Captain Hunter's podcast, the podcast that is dedicated towards bridging the divide between the police and the communities that they serve. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really, really appreciate all the love and support that I've been getting thus far. Really appreciate it. Please keep up the great work. Um, so t- today's episode is going to be about uh, the COVID-19 virus and the vaccine more specifically. Uh, we have returning Dr. Kanika Turner. So glad she decided to come back on the show. Once again, she's been such a great asset to the show. I believe this is her fourth time. Uh, congratulations to her to being the fourth time, uh, uh, fourth timer on the Captain Hunter's podcast. Really, really appreciate her love and her support for coming on the show. Really believes in the vision that we're trying to accomplish. Um, so before we get into the episode, usually this was a Facebook live episode. Um, but, uh, you know, as I usually do, I don't usually or normally um, record an intro for, for those particular uh, segments or those particular episodes. However, um, I wanted to remind everyone to pick up my book, uh, Police Reform or Police uh, Retired Police Captain's Perspective on the Evolution of Law Enforcement in America and How to Improve the Ju- Criminal Justice System. I'm holding it up here for the video. Uh, in case you're out there in video land. If you're in audio land, just try to remember the title, Police Reform. Go to lulu.com, type in Police Reform, uh, and my book is the first book that will pop up. Uh, you can purchase the book there. If you have my email, cptlhunter at gmail.com, or if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, you have my text message or, or whatever, Instagram, cptlhunter, Twitter, cptlhunter. Uh, you can send me a message on those platforms. I'll be more than happy to uh, give you a signed copy to uh, mail you a signed copy. I do have some copies at home. Uh, so so I'm really uh, excited about this book. I'm really, you know, obviously trying to push it. Um, and I've already got some uh, revision topics uh, and ideas about going forward. I want to make this a, a, a one of those projects that continues to evolve as the criminal justice system makes the changes that we're that we're looking for. Right. So so we're just going to continue on with that. So please pick up the book. Remember, you can support the podcast through PayPal, Cash App and Venmo, CPTL Hunter. Uh, or CPT, yes, CPTL Hunter for PayPal, for Cash App, and for Venmo. CAPT Hunter, Capt Hunter at PayPal. Uh, there's also a CPTL Hunter as well for PayPal as well. Um, but I try to use CAPT Hunter. Um, so uh, I really, really appreciate all the love and support. I'm not going to belabor the time. Please support the podcast. Make sure you share, you like, you subscribe, that you tell your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your enemies. Tell your family members, tell your mama, tell your uh, whoever, <laughs> come come listen to Captain Hunter's podcast. Uh, we're trying to really have some great conversations over here that affect not only law enforcement, but affect the communities that we serve, that we that we live in. Uh, with some t- so many times people always wanted to point the fingers at the police. But I believe that when you point the finger at someone, you got three fingers pointing back at yourself and the thumb pointing back at yourself. So we've got to take a look at ourselves and see what we can do. So Dr. Turner and I are going to be having a conversation about the COVID vaccine virus, addressing some of the myths, some of the mythologies, uh, some of the uh, just pseudoscience that's out there, uh, some of the bad ideas. I know the people, particularly in the African-American community, are skeptical skeptical about uh, the receiving the vaccine. So I wanted to have a conversation with her about that and why and hope and hope for, for many of us to get through that and get over that those uh, skepticism of the medical community. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here is the interview, uh, the Facebook Live that we did with Dr. Kanika Turner. So we will hear uh, a lot of different uh, voices and opinions and people chiming in. And uh, you know how we do. So let's get into it. Everyone, and thanks for tuning in. Really, really appreciate it. I am live again with my good friend, 
I think this is your, this is your fourth time here, so you're probably I think so. <laughs> almost as here uh, here as almost as much as I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thanks for having me again. Uh, listen, you're you're the best. Thank you so much. Um, I just noticed this there. I'm not trying to be funny. Did you did you spell your name wrong, or is that or am I spelling it wrong? Uh, maybe I need it. <laughs> I should have put it on Oh, can I fix it or is it too Yeah, late? yeah, you should be able to click on it and fix it. Or maybe at the bottom there, it should say something like fix your name or edit your name or something like that. So. Oh, that's so funny. No, actually, here we go. I get it. Okay. That's how I was typing too fast. There, okay, we, there go. we go. There we go. Okay, <laughs> we'll, start, we'll start all over again here. Hey, everyone. It's, it's not Kanika Turner. It's Dr. Kanika Turner. Right, so thank right. you so much for for being here once again. I really really appreciate you uh, uh, coming on the show once again. Uh, so just so I'm just so I show everyone, I'm in the holiday spirit. I got a green shirt on uh, today. So <laughs> nice. I, I was talking to a friend of mine. They said you know it's nice to see you in something that's other than black or brown or or black or blue or whatever colors I always wear. So <laughs> so green. <laughs> yeah. So it's so it's a green shirt today, and I'm looking very festive if I say so myself. So. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, we got a couple of people who have joined us. Nicole Marie, uh, thank you so much for coming. Trey Ellen, thank you so much for coming. Uh, these two have been uh, really, really faithful and very uh, helpful to uh, the show and to ask a lot of questions and all that kind of good stuff. So, I really, nice. really appreciate them uh, tuning in. Yes, thank so, you for joining us. Absolutely. So, so let's get into it. So first, before before we get into that, so uh, let's talk about yourself. Tell us about yourself, who you is and who your people is and where you come from. And all that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. So I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I lived here all my life. I am a uh, family medicine physician. Um, I am currently the associate medical director at one of our clinics here um, located in uh, South St. Louis City. And I am also a, a clinical faculty to the Department of Family and Community Medicine at St. Louis University. So I do a little bit of teaching uh, with medical students and residents as well. So um, and I really you know, got off into everything with COVID, just like many other physicians, uh, something new is a pandemic. You know, we got to continue to learn and evolve and take care of our patients. So um, that's me in a small nutshell. <laughs> Uh, listen, it's a that's a big nutshell. I mean, quite honestly, it's, it's a lot. Um, so you've been on the show before, so I would encourage audience members to go back and to listen to the other uh, previous episodes. We talked about um, the disparity between uh, in, in the drug war and um, yeah. drug enforcement, uh, and how it affects the medical, uh, how the um, you know medical medically it, it affects the you know black and brown communities, and then we also talked about uh, COVID. A couple other times, I think, and so we're going to talk yeah. about COVID again. Yeah, right. COVID. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we also talked about like black physicians. Yes, yes, time. that was a, yeah, I, that, I, was... I, that was one of my that was one of my favorite episodes, and I'm not just saying it because you're here. It was really was because I want people to see the, the importance of seeing a, a black female doctor or black doctor. Uh, I think it's really really important that people that people know about your history, what you had to go through to get to where you are, and uh, I really I really appreciate that. So, yeah, yeah, thank you. It's actually, yeah, thank you. There's a lot right now, big push for a lot of the black physicians to have a voice and definitely speak up with these uh, COVID vaccines. So thank you yeah, for highlighting me before. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. So um, so we were talking pre-show here and you yourself were a victim of. of yes, I was. So. Yes, yes. I mean, I can smell now, but I wasn't smelling <laughs> going through it. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, yeah, it's, it's horrible. 
you know, after having my own firsthand experience with it, you know, I'm definitely pushing, I was pushing for the vaccine anyways, but, you know, even a more stronger push, but after experiencing um, COVID-19 myself, I mean, it's, it's horrible. A lot of my patients that know me, you know, when I came back and I saw them and I was definitely, you know, wear your mask and stay home as much as possible. Um, for me, likely, you know, it was really sad. So I contracted it. And I also have a now 15 year old daughter. So we both ended up testing positive. Um, thankfully, my daughter, she recovered after about two days. She was fine. But for me, it took me about 10 days to kind of turn a corner. Um, I was at home, so didn't have to go into the hospital. But um, interestingly, my I had a lot of GI symptoms, so a lot of nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. Uh, my respiratory symptoms didn't come to toward the end, so cough, some shortness of breath, but absolute loss of taste and smell, um, no no appetite. Um, the other thing too, there's some you know case reports of people having these um, um, smell and taste hallucinations. So I did experience that that I kept smelling something burning. It didn't last for a long time, but maybe for about like a minute or two, I kind of smell like something's burning um, and then it'll go away that I had a really strong metallic taste a few times too. Um, but otherwise um, it's, it's pretty intense. And of course, if the fevers, um, really bad body aches, muscle aches, those are really bad. I woke up feeling like a car or something dropped on me. It was, it was pretty bad. Mm. Yeah. Did they do the contact, contract, contact tracing in on you and all that? Did they, did you... Yeah. So actually, because the cases were going up. So well, my personal clinic, we did that. So notify patients I were I was exposed to. And apparently I rounded at the hospital on a patient who later tested positive that week, um, you know, for COVID. I still have my mask on. The patient had their mask on. Um, but unfortunately, you know, um, yeah, unfortunately, things happen. Um, you know, I, I am a healthcare worker, a provider, physician. So I know that's a possibility. Um, that they can take place. And then my daughter, for her, um, she's on the basketball team and her school, they're actually in person. And so the week before, somebody in her classroom tested positive and her teacher. Um, so, but both of us got sick on the very same day. Um, you know, just she recovered a lot sooner than I did. Mm. Wow. So a lot of people have been very critical about wearing masks. Um, yeah. You got it. You got it. While you were wearing a mask, the patient was wearing a mask. Um, so what? What? What's your? What's your advice about masks? Yeah, I I still strongly push for wearing a mask. I mean, we we wear a mask to protect others from you. So a lot of this came out, you know, with, when these were you know asymptomatic cases. So people who were spreading the disease, spreading COVID nineteen, um, without knowing they had symptoms. So asymp asymptomatic um, cases. And so initially, you know, the recommendation was to wear a mask to protect others from you to help limit or decrease the spread. Now, we look at a lot of the data, a lot of the states who actually implemented statewide mandated um, wearing of masks, they were actually able to control the transmission, the spread a lot faster um, and sooner than the, the, the states who did not. So that right there, there is some data um, that definitely show that wearing a mask um, can help prevent and limit transmission. Now, if both parties wear a mask, then of course that's extra added added protection. Um, I, it's really sad that with public health measures that this became, you know, that so much politics went in, went into this. Um, unfortunately, you know, Trump um, and some of his his allies were the ones who were really, um, you know, creating a lot of these these problems with wearing masks. But I mean, the evidence, the science supports wearing a mask to help prevent and limit the spread. 
Um, also, the physical distancing, um, or I say physical distancing versus social distancing, same thing, um, you know, maintaining that six feet distance um, and then also good hand washing to help limit and prevent the spread as well. So all of those measures for states, for counties and communities that implemented those, they had less, you know, um, less, less, less case spread um, for states and counties who did that compared to those who didn't. So, yeah, here in St. Louis, unfortunately, we didn't do well. Missouri still do not have a statewide uh, mandated uh, mask. And, um, Is and it still like that right now? They don't have that now? Yeah, no statewide mandate. Um, a lot of a lot of the physicians, there was a, a little um, a petition that was being passed around by some of the providers here in St. Louis. And I, I, I signed some of the other ones signed to send it to our governor here. But he does not think that the government should be mandating masks. He just recommends for people to um, you know, wear your mask on your own and, and things along those lines. So a lot of the deb debate here in, in Missouri, unfortunately, Missouri's always behind and very conservative on so many different aspects. So, which is sad. Yeah. So again, so the, the governor saying that, is there any proof or is there any rise in the cases there because of this lack yes. of? Yes. Significant rise in cases. Um, just if so in the state of Missouri, um, I'll speak specifically with St. Louis. You know, we really hit that that second surge here. I mean, um, ICU beds. We were actually looking for other hospitals outside of the St. Louis area to potentially move patients. Um, hospitals were becoming full. Um, it was it was I mean, it was it was pretty sad. I mean, even now, you know, we um, there's a, a daily we have a St. Louis Metropolitan Task Force. So every day they give um, updated briefs about discharges, new admissions, ICU beds, ventilators. And just yesterday, um, you know, they showed that we're not going up. We're just staying stable. But even so, we got the holidays, you know, after Thanksgiving, we saw that spike. And now we got Christmas and New Year's coming up. You know, you tend to see spikes in cases after large gatherings or events, um, especially after holidays. Um, you'll, you'll see that. So unfortunately, um, here in St. Louis, we are experiencing that there's no mask mandate still, even with St. Louis. I would say it's recommended. A lot of businesses and companies will say, you know, mask required. Um, um, but unfortunately, we, we definitely can do uh, a lot more here in St. Louis. Uh, and part of me understands that, right? I, you know, the government really telling people to do X, Y, and Z. But just just for your opinion, neither one of us are political scientists, right? So you're not a political scientist, right? No. <laughs> okay. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah. So I I can understand people, you know, be, being very skeptical of the government telling us to do every single little thing in their life. I really do. I really do understand that. However, do you think that the govern the governor or different mayors pushed it that we could definitely bring down the cases? To what's your thoughts? Yes. Yes. I I definitely like I said a lot of those states that in which the governor did do a mass mandate. Um, yeah, cases were not like they were compared to Missouri or compared to other states. So, yes. And, and you know, here's the thing that came up when I was reading. So he um, is Governor Parson, that's our governor. So he sent a tweet around Thanksgiving um, about he doesn't think the government should be entering people's homes, telling them what to do. Um, and it was really interesting. One of the comments said, well, the government should be should not be controlling reproductive rights of women, telling them that they can't <laughs> what they can and can't do. And that's a good point. You know, he said that he doesn't feel the government should, or should enter into the homes. Yeah. And this person's argument was, where the, well, the government shouldn't be able to make those decisions about, you know, women bodies. 
because, um, you know, of course, here in Missouri, strong anti-abortion, um, you know, anti-birth control, you know, very, very super conservative um, opinions. And I mean, it was a good comment the person left because it makes sense um, what they were saying. But definitely from a safety, purely safety, public health perspective, um, this is what we have right now. I mean, we're going to talk about the vaccine in a second, but while we're writing on, you know, treatments to be developed, you know, in an outpatient setting, we didn't have actually nothing but conservative management, you know, Tylenol. Initially, there was some concern about not using ibuprofen. We know now that that's okay, um, but it was just conservative management. And of course, we developed, you know, shortness of breath or worsening symptoms. Once you get admitted to the hospital at the beginning, it was, you know, put you on a ventilator. It was still trying to figure out how do we take care of this person? Um, I mean, now we do have some treatments that's out, like Redemsevir is one that the hospitals are using. Um, but you have to be, I guess, even qualified to use that when admitted to the ICU on a ventilator, having respiratory issues. Um, the Redemsevir is not given to everyone that goes into the hospital. You got to have very severe disease in order to get it. Um, there is a new drug that was recently approved for outpatient use. I was actually looking a few days ago. Um, it's in clinical trials right now, but it's monoclonal um, antibodies. So right now we don't have anything on the outpatient setting, but this is another possibility. Um, they're showing some promising results. So maybe eventually um, us as primary care doctors, we may have some other um, tools to use to help our patients, but it was pretty much, you know, conservative management with these. Yeah. So I saw a meme that said the same thing that, uh, you know, the same government, that the same governments that tell or the same people that don't want you to wear masks because you're controlling my, my body, you know, my, my body, you know, and then of course the, this shows the hypocrisy because they're, they're trying to control people's or women's arrest reproductive rights. So it's really, yeah. it shows you how much I really think about, about, uh, about uh, all lives mattering and all that kind of nonsense, right? It, yeah. it's, 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 it, re it really rings hollow when, when, when push comes to shove. It's, it shows you it's not really about babies or, or people's rights. It's, it's, there's some nefarious ulterior motive out there, right. you know? So mm -hmm. we, can yeah. into another, we can get into that in another <laughs> show. <laughs> craziness so let's get into the so let's get into the vaccine so yes so yes yes, yes. New you, you've, you, you've um you've had it yourself uh i assume that uh you know I, you know i guess they're giving it already out uh, some some people are, are getting it uh yeah. what's your what's your thoughts about it should we get it should i run down and get it stick myself in the arm or what, what's up yes <laughs> yes 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 get it get it get it <laughs> Um, but I'll say, but in, by the time it actually enters the you know general population, it'll probably be a little bit later in the year. So, you know, this first rollout were to healthcare workers as well as um, residents in long-term care facilities. Um, and the reason they pick long-term care facilities were because about 40% of the, the COVID um, cases and deaths came from older adults um, and from long-term care facilities. And of course, healthcare workers, um, because we're more likely to, to be exposed. Um, they're currently, you know, trying to decide who will be this next phase. Um, will it be essential workers? You know, who will be um, in that next phase? So we'll, we'll see as we get recommendations on that. Um, but I strongly recommend getting it. Like I said, after having COVID, um, you know, I wouldn't recommend anybody to go through that to, to uh, run the risk of possibly losing your life from it or having some long-term sequelae from it. Um, so now what we're seeing too, you know, we're nine months, 10 months into this thing that, you know, people who are, who have survived from COVID, they are having some lasting effects. You know, for some people, it can be, you know, the shortness of breath, some permanent um, lung damage for some people, some fatigue. So we're seeing those things with this virus. And, you know, we have a vaccine that's currently developed, that's in place to help prevent the spread. 
And I would say I definitely recommend it. Once I get my appointment at the hospital, I am going to go right over there and, and get my vaccine and go back for my second dose as well. So strongly, strongly recommend getting this vaccine. Um, so there's, mo there's multiple doses. I didn't, I didn't know that there's multiple. Yeah, doses. it is. So we can do. Yeah. So right now there's Pfizer and Moderna. You know, both of those. Uh, Moderna was approved on the 18th and then um, Pfizer was approved on the 11th. So two different vaccines, very similar technology. So they're not. Um, two different, two different companies, of course, um, both require two um, separate doses. Um, so two shots um, for Pfizer vaccine. It requires your first injection. You come back 21 days later to get the sex, second vaccine um, with Moderna. You get your first um, first shot and then you will return 28 days later to get um, that next vaccine. Um, some other um, minimal differences are just the dosage that you will give. That's really on the healthcare um, provider side. Uh, one of the other big differences you may hear a lot of discussion about um, on the news, just in the community, is that Pfizer vaccines have to be stored at super, super cold temperatures. So like minus 80 degrees um, you know, Fahrenheit, minus 110 degrees. So it requires these special freezers. Um, to help keep it really, really cold versus Moderna can be stored in your regular freezer. So the the debate and the, the issue and the concern is, you know, Pfizer may need to be used for hospital workers or healthcare workers in which they can afford um, and, and maintain the, um, the the vaccine at those cold of a temperature versus Moderna vaccine. If it can be stored in a freezer, those may be ones that's more acceptable um, or accessible to the communities because they can be stored in reg regular freezers. Um, so that's one big debate right now that Moderna may be the one that may be pushed out more into the community only because of the storage capability. Because Pfizer, once you use it, you got five days um, before you have to toss it out. So, um, But otherwise, both of them are similar in um, the, the safety as well as the efficacy. So Pfizer is about 95 percent effective at preventing um, COVID-19 disease. Um, it's also um, highly effective at preventing severe disease. Um, Moderna is about 94% effective. So it was 94, 95, very, very effective um, um, rate at preventing preventing disease. So uh, Nicole Marie says uh, she developed uh, COPD uh, and was out for nine weeks. Um, yeah. So those are some of those long-term effects. Now, are they really long-term? I mean, are people going to have them 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Oh, for some, so, there, so I would say in what I've been reading, um, a lot of it, it, it depends. I was, I've been seeing that some people are having long-term damage, whether it's reversible. We don't know at this point. Um, there are some people that are, you know, seeing slow improvements um, over the course of these few months, but complete return to normal. Actually, we, we just don't know right now. I mean, we're still, you know, collecting data. They're still following up people who, you know, have tested positive. So there's a lot that we still need to, to know about this. By the time we hit March, we'll know, of course, way more information than what we know today. So um, it just all depends. So not everything is lasting, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll just moving right along and we'll, we'll find out the, the, the deeper we get into this. So before we dig into more of the more of that, um, let's talk about the the anti-vaxxers because we had to talk to about them. Have you yeah. talked to any of them or I mean, what's in these vaccines? I mean, they're saying I've heard and I don't know. I'm not a virologist. I'm not a uh, epidemiologist. I had to look those words up, you know, try to. <laughs> Nice, nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I had to practice you saying it. Like, like yeah, yeah, I, I had to look. I had to practice and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> um, uh, so, so, 
I mean, people saying that there's that there's baby fetuses from aborted babies. I mean, yeah, people say all. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's so many different things. I think the 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 craziest one I heard somebody sent it to me um, through my Facebook Messenger, um, but there was somebody saying that because the lot number has six 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 is of the devil. So this particular person is really really targeting our churches with saying. Don't get the vaccine because it's 666. So there are so many different things that's being circulated about this. Um, and, and I will say this, a lot of stuff I've come across, um, I trust the vaccine. I'm going to get the vaccine. And I think where a lot of that disconnect come in it is you have, you know, one thing, there's so much confusion because things are always changing. The more we as, you know, professionals, doctors, um, the scientists learn more about the virus. We're going back and changing up. Well, let's do this now because evidence show that this is a, a better approach. So communicating what we know on the, the medical side, the scientific side to the community, you know, some of that get lost in, in the, the transparency, the, the trust gets lost in, in the community. So I've been following it closely. Um, one thing I will say with the Moderna vaccine, I don't know if you've been reading this, but Dr. Kizzy Corbett is a black scientist who um, actually designed and um, she's the creator, the developer behind Moderna. So we got a black scientist, female scientist. Um, and, and, you know, and the thing I thought about, she's not getting, she's getting some press, but that's huge to know a black woman created the Moderna vaccine. Um, now I will say across the different governing boards for this process with vaccine development, they did have black scientists involved. They did have blacks at the table. So for me, you know, on, on this side, being in medicine, I, I can follow a little bit closer. I can understand what's going on. I can follow the clinical trials. But we as a community, a medical community or scientific community, we need to make sure we translate that to the lay community so they can see exactly what we see. And I feel like with some people with the vaccine hesitancy, yes, of course, is rooted in racism, is rooted in you know race-based medicine. So we can talk about that as well. But I, I think a lot of it is, you know, they don't trust the process. It was developed really fast. Um, this long history of what's been done with the black community and vaccines and just medicine in general. Those are all very valid. I definitely acknowledge. I mean, even myself, I've learned so much being in clinical practice that even my medical education was a little bit biased um, with that. But for me, being you know involved, following the studies, following you know the evidence, um, there's so many different black um, physicians and scientists who are involved in this. A lot of us are seeing the same thing. Look, this is a safe vaccine. We're all getting as well. Um, so I think that's the message we need to get out to the community about the safety behind it, how it's effective. Um, and even us as black physicians and scientists, we too are also taking a vaccine. So we're standing together with this. And I think that's a huge message that we need to continue to, to push because um, people trust the messenger. So uh, that that's, yeah, that, that's really, really uh, important. Uh, my man, Mike McKenna's, uh, I told you, Mike, I had to practice this. And I was going to say, where did those words come from? I, t I Listen, I had to practice <laughs> I was, People know, I was, your viewers know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so um, having had the disease, do you need to get vaccinated again or different strains or, or, or? No. So, yeah. So it's still, so right now it's still recommended if you've had um, COVID to get vaccinated. So I was actually listening to um, another little webinar um, and initially it was some debate. Well, here's the thing, since I've had the disease and if anybody, if they've had it, you have circulated antibodies. The antibodies are pretty much makes you immune for at least 90 days that we know of. Um, some literature coming out that it may be longer, but at least for those 90 days after having a virus, you do have some antibodies, so slight protection. 
Um, the risk of reinfection is very low. It's very, very rare. Only a few reported cases of reinfections um, across the world, not too many of those. Um, and so understanding that aspect from it that, okay, I am protected, but what about when that wears off after the four five and six months? So right now, um, we don't know how long the immunity will last is our predictions. Definitely 90 days. We know about that. But is it lifelong immunity? Is it six or nine months? Um, the thing with the vaccine is the same thing they're learning right now. How long um, will the immunity last? Will this be a vaccine that's just like the flu vaccine? Every year we have to get it. Um, so right now we, we we just don't know. But right now they are recommending if you had COVID, definitely, you know, you do want to still get the vaccine to help protect yourself and protect others, too. So let's talk about uh, about uh, this rushing of the vaccine. So first in March or so, when everything started to get locked down, they said right. uh, that everybody was dumping on Anthony Fauci there, uh, saying that uh, uh, it's going to be 18 months to two years before we have a vaccine. Lo and behold, yeah. eight, eight, nine months later, we got a vaccine. Got a vaccine. So, so, yeah. <laughs> so, that, so that makes a little people, including myself, I'm one of those people. I'm okay. going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna be honest. That, that makes me a little nervous. I mean, did they rush yeah. this or, or what? Right. So, so actually, so it appears that it was rushed. I would say, let me give you a little background um, knowledge with this. Of course, they had Operation Warp Speed. I will say they probably could have picked a different name because it, it did imply that we're doing it so so quickly. Um, but because the because that the <laughs> Operation have, Turtle. How about that? How about how about, how about, how about we get this right? <laughs> <laughs> So I will say on the back end, so this is an mRNA vaccine. So it's not a live vaccine. So on the back end, people in a community, you know, didn't know mRNA vaccines have been worked on, developed, studied in the labs for the last 10 years or so, last decade. So the technology to use an mRNA vaccine, that's not new to the science, science scientific community. So the mRNA technology was also used with the Zika virus, um, CMV, cyto cytomegalovirus, another type of virus. Um, was also tried before with the flu vaccine. So that technology itself is not new. So what took place once they got the genome of the coronavirus, they were able to apply this years of technology, decades, decades of studying this mRNA vaccine to this coronavirus. So we didn't know that. So I was like, you as a community didn't know on the back end that this is technology that's been used. Now, I will say, although it was uh, we have this Operation Warp Speed, the integrity of the clinical trials, the safety, the efficacy, that was not compromised. So what they did with the vaccine process, they pretty much cut out a lot of the extra paperwork that was needed. So typically it can be months before or well, years before vaccines will come uh, will come into play or be developed or get approved. But because we're in a pandemic, it's a declared public health emergency. Um, a, that granted the access to using the emergency use authorization. So that was actually put in place after 9-11. So if something come up, terrorist attack, pandemic, whatever, um, the government can act quickly um, using the FDA, uh, the FDA, CDC, all these other organizations. They can work quickly and work together to, to come up uh, to, to treat um, patients or to provide you know, information out to the public for safety, safety standards. So what you see is that we have old technology that we that we're comfortable, we're, we're comfortable with and familiar with. We applied this to this new virus. And what they did was they cut out all of the paperwork, all of the, the bureaucratic steps. Um, but all of the, 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 the same processes was, were followed. So some people you know, ask questions about vaccine development um, and how that works. So for example, there's different clinical trials. So first you have at the bench, okay, let's let's get the virus. Um, what's the genome of the virus? Um, they do these small studies and animal models. That's presented to a board. They look at safety, um, um, safety, efficacy of this. Okay, if these animal models show that this is 
you know, have some success, then they move on to clinical trials. Now, mind you, there are boards and oversight boards that will review the data and discuss as a team. Um, the next step would be moving to the preclinical trials and, and then the phase one, phase two, phase three. Typically, that's the process that's, that takes the longest. But what they did, they were able to either combine phases or shorten the time between the review to move into the next phase. So it, it appears that it took, um, you know, not, you know, short amount of time. But what they did was they didn't compromise the integrity of the uh, of the research. They just took out the paperwork and apply old technology to a new virus. Um, and that's the thing, the message I like to get out to people that, yes, technically, it was um, this Operation Warp Speed, which gave you that impression that it was rushed. Um, but because the technology is so good in 2020, we were able to apply that to this virus um, and develop the vaccine from that. Uh, very good. Very good. You you calmed me down a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, so, a little bit. You know, the one question <laughs> I get a lot is, you know, this is new for people. Like, what is the mRNA? What is that? Um, some people think that it will alter your genetics. Well, I don't want the vaccine because it's going to get inside my cells and alter that. So that's another thing I've had to talk about. And that's that's not true. But I, but I get it. People, you know, you hear mRNA, DNA, um, you start thinking about, you know, genetics and this is going to alter um, something, you know, in, in my body. And actually the mRNA, um, the um, um, I, I was a biology major, so I had to like go back and remember all this stuff I, I learned. I remember one of my biology professors, the way they explained an mRNA virus that is pretty much like a, um, a recipe or a code. Um, it, it has a code for a particular protein or some type of ingredient, you would say. This code, once you get the vaccine, it'll go to your cell. Now, your DNA is housed in a completely different area in your cell. So this mRNA would not enter your cell to alter your your DNA is actually the, the DNA that is surrounded by the nucleus, little technical details there. But the mRNA, once it's into your body, it would not even come near your DNA because once that once that message is given to the cell, then the cell completely destroys that coded product and it never even make it nowhere near the DNA. So that's why it's a safer vaccine process. Um, it's not a live vaccine. So if you get it, you're not giving, it's not giving you a live vaccine. It's set to code the active protein um, this in your body, your body will recognize it and say, hey, that's SARS-CoV-2. I need to mount an antibody response to this just in case we come in contact with this. And that's what your body do. So that if you come in contact with the vaccine, your body will say, hey, I remember this from a few a few months ago. We need to go ahead and destroy this virus because it's going to try to kill us. So that's the idea behind vaccines is to, to expose your body, say, hey, I want you to recognize this. So if we come in contact with this, I want you to be ready to fight it off. And that's the whole idea behind any vaccine um, uh, that, that we use today. Very good. I hope uh, everybody caught all that. I'm going to have to watch this like three or four times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Karen, please tell me for that. I get so excited. I'm so fast, no, 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 I'm no, very no. passionate about stuff. No. I was, <laughs> but, I, but, but I get it though. It's like, I, I really try to, you know, my 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 patients who bring this up. These visits are longer than the 15 minutes because I, I want to address the questions, the concerns. You know, I one of the I follow um, one doctor, Dr. Kamara Jones. She was the previous president of the um, American Public Health Association. Huge advocate about race and. Um, um, great, great person to follow. And she um, uh, made a tweet that saying she would rather suffer the side effects of a COVID-19 va vaccine than to die prematurely from COVID-19. Um, and she's an older black woman. And I, and I agree with that. Rather go through the side effects than to run the risk of dying prematurely from, from the disease.
Gotcha. No, that, that listen, that makes sense. That's why I want to have you have you on. So, <laughs> and I want to talk about that in, in a little bit here. But Trey Ellen is asking: Is it true that the vaccine was in uh, was in the making prior to COVID coming to the U.S.? So, um, so not necessarily related to COVID. So, COVID is a disease, the virus we call it, the SARS-CoV-2 virus. So, remember back in the early two thousand, there was another. Um, there was the the MERS, which is another coronavirus type um, virus. Um, also, there was a previous SARS um, 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 epidemic as well. It didn't reach to, the, to this level. So they were already studying the coronavirus itself. What's different about the corona, um, the SARS-CoV-2 is that it slightly mutated itself. So it, it's still a coronavirus, but it's more deadly because the human species never been um, exposed to it. So coronaviruses in general, yes, they have been studying, researching um, coronaviruses. So that part isn't new. It's just that it mutated itself and became more virulent and was able to pretty much cause um, uh, um, disease across the whole world because our bodies were never exposed to this particular one before. Okay. Very yeah. good. Very good. Um, uh, so again, anti-vaxxers, the government's placing, placing things in our, in our blood and our DNA. There's placing small microchips in. Is it any nope, that is not happening. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no, no. And, you know, and the other thing too, people look at the, they think that the government is directly involved. Actually, there are a lot of, a lot of independent oversight boards that's made up of physician scientists, PhD scientists, in which they have no involvement with the government. So, you know, I hear that a lot too, this, the government, the government actually is not, it's being driven um, by independent oversight boards is actually making a decision is not the government that's making these decisions. So um, that's one thing I do like to, to clarify that there are separate independent boards that's reviewing this data along the process, um, separate from the government, their input, what they want to say. And I feel like that's, that message also is not being put out um, across the nation. You know, who are the ones that's actually making the decisions, is actually looking at this data. And these are, you know, this, this is not related to the government. These are actual doctors and scientists who are looking at this data from a separate board, which which also helps that there's oversight. There's not just one entity that's behind this, but you have different boards and oversight committees um, that's following this as well. Very good. Complications from from taking it. You talked about the doctor who said she'd rather, you know, deal with the side effects. Yeah. The side effects. Yeah. So what we see. So after the first dose, um, typically people may experience um, they don't really experience any systemic side effects. Normally, um, same side effects you see with other vaccines. So pain at the ejection, at the ejection site um, may have a little bit of swelling or redness there. You can see that with a lot of vaccines you get the influenza, Tdap, that's common um, local um, local site infections. Is really after the second dose, some people may experience a little more side effects. And the reason being is because your immune system is reacting to it. So like I said, you're not, we're not giving you the live virus. We're, help, we're, we're teaching your body how to respond to it. So um, after you get that second dose, that's when people may experience a little bit of fatigue. There have been some reports of people developing um, um, some fevers, may have some headaches, um, um, muscle aches. And, um, um, and pretty much it's a very limited um side effects, um, side effects that we see. Um, I attended a training from the CDC last week that they did that help us with, okay, which, which side effects are very classic for the vaccine compared to those who are, you know, like, well, maybe this person was actually exposed with COVID you need to do a little bit more workup. And mostly is temperature, um, muscle aches, and have a little bit of headache, um, um, some, some body aches and things like that. So um, I like to warn people so you would know if you get the vaccine that if you experience that, only thing that means your body is just trying to 
um, to, to, to recognize it and mount, mount an immune response. So your body is working. Um, one thing I do want to say, those side effects, they typically resolve by day two or three. So a lot of the, the clinical trials that they did, if people develop those side effects, they typically resolve by day two. Of course, by day three, you're back to feeling fine. Uh, so those side effects, do, do they knock people out? Like you got to take a day off of work or? No, it doesn't. It doesn't knock people out. But I know some information um, like for vaccinating healthcare workers, um, they were saying do it, you know, on a Friday. So they were you off on the weekend. So for some people, you know, it, it depends on how your body responds. But like the fatigue, um, you know, the muscle aches, body aches, those may be some things. Um, right now, I would say there is we don't have anything in place. So I haven't. Um, some hospitals may have. I'm not for sure. At least here in St. Louis, we don't have anything in place, you know, that somebody needs to quarantine or stay away or anything like that. It's just recommended that after you get it, you know, if you can be home or things like that, that's that's fine. Very good. If there's any questions out there for the audience, please make sure that you guys uh, type the questions in. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, so let's let's talk about people don't get the get the vaccine. What happens then? Yeah. So if people don't get it. I mean, we'll continue to see this virus spread like crazy through the community. Um, you know, we're and we're this is what we're seeing now. Unfortunately, we'll see more deaths. Um, that's what I don't want to see. That's what a lot of people don't want to see that. But, you know, right now, um, our vaccine is, a, is our best preventive um, uh, measure in addition to wearing the mask and the physical distancing and um, washing our hands. So if we don't, people don't get the vaccine, then we run the risk of this disease continuing to spread. Um, that's kind of getting into the the topic about herd immunity um, and the importance of that. And so, you know, one thing with this vaccine that we'll need to vaccinate anywhere, you know, from 50 to 65 percent of the population so we can achieve um, herd immunity. And what that means is that, you know, there are so many people that's protected or that's been vaccinated um, from this disease. Another way that you can also um, obtain herd immunity, I don't recommend it, but people who have um, been infected and recovered. They have antibodies. So there are antibodies and getting vaccinated helps you to produce antibodies. Um, if so many people have that happen, that means that in essence, we have have created a fence around other people. So the virus can't spread. We can um, help limit transmission from it, from spreading. So that's the idea of herd immunity. So many people are either vaccinated or they have an infection recovery process and have antibodies. So then that way, the virus cannot spread spread as much in a community. Um, it takes a while to get to that. It's the same thing we saw with measles, measles polio. Um, it takes a while to get to that, but um, the, the risk of not getting a vaccine so the virus will continue to kill people and continue to spread like, like we're seeing right now. Mm. Yeah. Um, back to the part about the complications. Uh, Chris says, uh, and the occasional full-blown anaphylactic shock. Have we been seeing that? I, I haven't heard that. Yeah, so there are some, there are some reports. So those cases, um, thank you, Christopher, that, Christopher. Um, so those cases with the anaphylactic shock, those are people who, who've had previous serious allergic reactions to vaccine components. So right now with the CDC and the recommendation that if someone has had a severe allergic reaction, meaning that you require an EpiPen, uh, require emergency department visit, um, then you will be one that you likely should not get the vaccine or discuss with your provider that we can determine, you know, the risk and benefits of getting it. So that's the only thing I would say now. And it's not that many cases. Of course, you will hear more so about the more serious um, cases where there's three or four. Um, but definitely that's that's a legitimate thing. So I tell people, you know, if you've had a, um, a serious anaphylactic shock um, with a previous vaccine, that will be a discussion part. And it's really a precaution 
um, that the CDC is taking with that right now. Very good. Very good. Uh, Lori says, uh, and, and Lori, I got your donation there and I um, will, uh, I got a book for you. So um, let me know. Hit me up in the messenger. Uh, Coach, I have an appointment. 122 will keep you posted. Is that how long you got to wait for to get the vaccine? Oh, I well, I guess. But aren't, yeah. I think you're a nurse, aren't you, Lori? Lori, can't you get it sooner or something? Yeah, know. but you know what? They only had so many um, so many doses that, that were sent out. I mean, thankfully, with the Moderna being approved, they're going to send out a few more. I think 100 million. Um, but like for me, I haven't even got my appointment. A lot of my, my colleagues, and I heard one of the local hospitals ran out. Um, so we have to wait to the, the second shipment. But um, that's the other issue, too, that, you know, we 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 were only given so many of them. And actually, January 22nd is actually not bad, believe it or not. So, OK, there's so many people uh, who are who are so uh, distrusting. You talked about the black community. Uh, I was watching the news last night and sometimes I can't I just can't keep watching this. You know? uh, there was you the, need breaks. People for your mental health. People do need breaks watching. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, watching CNN, yeah. watching yeah. all these new shows. Especially CNN. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, especially CNN. Every every show is about either it's either Trump or or the vaccines. And back to Trump, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I just can't keep watching this. Anyway, they they did a show about uh, the New York City Fire Department, uh, who yeah. I think like sixty percent of them said they weren't going to get it. Um, oh. So it's not just the black community, but but members, I would assume, oh, wow. majority white male of, of fire department in uh, New York said they're not going to get it. So and actually, they're they union, they, what's that? Did they say why? Why? Oh, they just don't trust it. it. They they think they think the same thing that that I'm thinking. It was rushed. They don't yeah. trust it. They just are anti, probably anti-vaxxers. That they only had a union, their union president on the show talking about uh, that he was going to get it and he was trying to encourage his members to get it, but he understood that they were very reluctant to get it. Um, mm. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely with that, that's, that's, that's where I think is key as primary care providers, you know, being able to really have these open um, discussions with patients about it. And also, but on you know my end as as a physician, like doing all I can to to study the process, to to follow the data, so then that way I can also um, you know educate and, and talk to my patients about it, so they can make a well informed um, decision um, about getting the vaccine. But I can see you know like I said, I I've been hearing it that it's rush is rushed, um, and I and I try to alleviate or discuss a lot of the concerns um, so people won't feel that although it was we we moved quickly. Um, you know, uh, the, the the vaccine, the safety, the integrity of everything was not compromised because of the, the quickness in how we developed the, the vaccine. Mm. Very good. Uh, so I usually don't get the, the flu vaccine. Should I get that? And yes. Yes, Captain. But I don't get it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I don't get it. You need to get your vaccine. You need to get the flu vaccine. <laughs> I need to you get know. that and, and yes. this. Can I, can I like double dose or double dip or something? Just... Just uh, one in each arm, or how's it? How's that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I will say this. Um, now they do recommend at least spacing, you know, vaccines uh, at least two. Uh, if someone get the COVID vaccine, not to get another one, another vaccine like two or three weeks later. Um, but I will say this: I strongly recommend people getting their flu vaccine right now. So one reason being that although we're hearing a lot about COVID, people are actually dying from influenza. They have they have been dying from influenza. We don't talk about it as much like we did, you know, in the past. But influenza is actually still a pandemic, um, and we, we don't we, for some reason we people have become comfortable and say, well, I don't get the flu and I'm not going to get the vaccine. 
you know, but it's still a pandemic right along with COVID-19. We just hear so much about COVID-19 right now. Um, I would say with the flu virus, for some people, a lot of older adults, it can actually end people, end people up in an ICU on a ventilator. I've seen that from influenza virus. Um, you know, people can, can get really sick from it. So me personally, you know, right now as the, the vaccine is being developed and people waiting to actually get it, that's another strong speaking point that we have two pandemics right now. Please get the vaccine to help protect yourself, at least from one of two. Uh, one of my colleagues had a patient who tested positive for both flu and COVID. Horrible. Her and her husband. Very, very horrible. Um, older couple who didn't want to wear their mask and really, really sick. I, 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 my colleague told me at the beginning when this happens, I don't know if they end up in a hospital, but I just know he was telling me, yeah, both of them really, really sick would have him diagnosed, being diagnosed with both flu and COVID. So get your flu shot. Yeah. I don't get sick either. That's the other thing. After I get my flu shot, I do not get sick behind getting a flu shot. I promise you, I can't promise you I'm, I'm going to do it, but I'm going <laughs> to try. Gonna try. I'm going really, really to try. I'm going to try to listen to you. I'm, I'm going to try. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Which I get it. I get it. But <laughs> I think you should. Strong. You should. And everyone that's listening, you should get your yeah. flu shot every season. Yeah. <laughs> we should just talk about vaccines that are needed in the general population. We should just go and talk about that because people, and I feel like flu is the biggest one. I think people are still a little bit. You think so? I, I think I get it every year, and I just—I mean, I mean, if I get the flu, I would just like lay in the couch for a couple of days and just eat chicken soup. Well, I don't eat chicken it. anymore, but, <laughs> but you know, I, I would just get better. I mean, it's—I mean, and I understand that 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 um, the deadliness of this uh, of this. Totally. I, I don't want—I don't want to trivialize that, you know. So, yeah. so um, you were going to yeah. say no, something. No, I, no, and I, 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 I hear you on that. I just, I, I still, I've seen the flu also kill people. Um, and like I said, and we, you know, we, it's still a pandemic. It's been, you know, each year, just the influenza is, is a pandemic. You know, we had H1N1. I mean, that was a, you know, when the fly, the virus mutated itself and, you know, that, that didn't get as big as COVID-19, but I mean, H1N1 was deadly and that, that was another one. Um, so, I mean, the, you know, back in 1918, the Spanish flu, that's when influenza really came on a scene, exactly how COVID is right now. So, um, you know, we can protect against one or two, if I can't do both, at least get the flu shot. So again, let me get back to this governmental conspiracy here. Is this the government trying to thin out the herd? We have 7 billion people on the planet. Is this the massive government no. <laughs> trying, to, trying, to, trying to thin us all out? Is, is, that, is that what's going on? No, no, it's not. It's, it's more so safety. <laughs> you know, our people are right now. I mean, actually, they, the predicted deaths, I said, um, because of the, the holidays that, you know, we're probably going to end up seeing at least 3,000 deaths per day in the U.S., I saw that. Yeah, three thousand. That's. Yeah. I mean, three thousand people in twenty-four hours. I mean, that's that's a lot. That's. I mean, any uh, death uh, is too much. But are they conflating these numbers? People are saying that they're conflating these numbers. If somebody dies in a car accident, but he has COVID, they're counting that. I mean, I'm hearing all kind of foolishness <laughs> like that. I mean, is that no, it's no, it's no, it's not. They they used to do that with fentanyl, but the overdoses, they'll say, you know, mm -hmm. they have fentanyl in their system. But, um, but no, no, these these are confirmed cases, um, that that they're counting. But they actually I mean, died from the COVID, right? Not, right. not because are, they fell down the steps with COVID in and their had system. COVID. 
<laughs> so, but I mean, but right, these are confirmed cases. And, you know, if you look back each time we had some type of holiday, there's always was a big spike in cases. And unfortunately, right now we got Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day right back to back. A lot of traveling is taking place. And right now, with a lot of the, the cases during the wintertime, it's coming from close, con close contact and within homes of people. You know, when it first came out, it was, you know, healthcare workers being exposed, community nursing home settings. But now a lot of the cases, the transmission is coming from small group gatherings, small home gatherings from people who just want to hang out. That's where we're seeing a lot of the cases come from. So what happens with the holiday season? Families get together. If one person is asymptomatic and comes to that family gathering, no one is wearing masks. Just about everyone in that room either have asymptomatic or even have symptomatic disease. And we have to you know, put it into perspective um, what, what's going on right now, that that's where we're seeing most of the cases are small gatherings and, and people, you know, hanging out at homes. Very good. Uh, Nicole Marie says, be sure to vaccinate before travel, especially. Uh, yes, let's, yes. let's let's talk about that. Do you th have you heard in in your webinars or anything like like the government? Again, here's the government uh, going to. <laughs> <laughs> there are these conspiracy theories, but you got to address them sometimes. Is the government? Yeah. This one might not be so far fetched. Is the government going to lock down or or stop travel? Like you can't get an airplane or a bus or a train if, unless you show that you have your vaccination shot. People keep asking me that, as if I know. I don't know. Yeah, I I will say right now I haven't I haven't heard any. I guess from the 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 sources I follow, credible sources, I haven't heard anything about that becoming a mandate. Um, you know, a, a lot of the, the guidelines, a lot, a lot of things are coming into play right now. So I haven't heard that being pushed out. Um, typically, you know, that's something's going to be pushed out that'll definitely come to the, the providers. So we'll know. But I haven't heard that being a, a necessary requirement or that the um, um, the airlines are going to do something like that. I, I haven't heard that. But I don't know. Like I said, we're I, I don't know. I've heard. I mean, the other big issue, too, where the hospital should mandate the COVID-19 vaccine, you know, um, should we make this mandatory or should we keep it as volunteer? You know, if it's mandatory, there's a public health um, emergency here to help vaccinate people. People also have their their, their right to say no. Um, that's why I think, you know, our medical community, scientists and physicians, that we need to educate patients so they can make an informed decision to decide yes and not feel forced. Um, because that's what we see traditionally in the Black community where that trust come into place, that it's a forceful thing. You should get this. You have to get this. No, I want to educate and talk to you so you can make an informed decision and you can say, yes, I want this. You've, you've mentioned a, a bunch of different uh, black doctors, scientists who've been working on this. Uh, you, you yourself, uh, uh, you know, um, are addressing the community. Is it helping that so many different people of color are involved in this, are speaking out about this? I've seen I swear CNN is has 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 had more black doctors. I'm I'm like they can't they these there's not too many black doctors in the United States. <laughs> um, CNN have found so many of them. And, and when something was going on, something was going on, and I think they had every single black mayor on. I can't remember what it was. So I'm like there can't be this many black mayors on in the United States. But anyway, um, is it helping that? That you, that your face and other faces are are speaking about this and really turning a corner and helping people to realize that this is safe and and yes, yes, yes it it definitely is. It's definitely helping. Um, the uh, American Medical Association they have some um, webinars like promoting racial equity, um, and they had a, a panel of black doctors from across the country, and that was a very a common theme that you know all of us we 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 think the vaccine is safe. Um, all of us are going to get it. Um, 
And I think having people who look like you say, hey, I, I trust what's going on. I think it's safe. I'm going to get it myself. That speak volumes um, to, to the community who often don't trust the, the, the medical community anyways. You know, a lot of us who are black, who go into medicine, we go into medicine wanting to create a change, wanting to care for our people in the black community, um, even the Hispanic Latinx community. Um, you know, that's what the type of medicine a lot of us like to practice. And so, um, uh, you know, the one theme is, you know, we're trusted messengers to the community. And I take that to heart because we are. People are looking to us um, and, and to really break it down and, and explain, you know, in layman terms, what, you know, what does this mean? What is mRNA? What is, you know, what is the vaccine? How does this work? You know, people need to be, you know, educated on what that is. I don't expect for you, Captain, to know what an mRNA vaccine is, you know, <laughs> but I, I expect that you may be nervous or hesitant. But, you know, uh, I actually kind of remember a little bit of mRNA. RNA. Yeah, I remember a little bit about that. I paid attention a little bit. Nice. A little bit. A little bit. Well, yeah. back, at, back, what, back in college or when you took a biology class? I took a couple of biology classes. Oh, OK. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait, so what's your degree? What's your degree? I don't even know if I want to tell you. Kind of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, okay, you never said that with me. Maybe, maybe I was being a little, little biased. But go ahead. Yeah. yeah listen, I, I I took I took a I took a when I was going for my associate's degree I took a biology class I had to take another one when I went for my degree in psychology and my master's is in forensic psychology if you must know okay uh, so. all right <laughs> I was, I'm not as dumb as I look I mean <laughs> no you're, no, you're very very smart you're very, okay. very smart <laughs> okay. I try to put all these degrees back here on the wall and I just I didn't just oh, print I them see. out. I didn't just print them out. I mean, they're, 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 they're actually real. <laughs> well, I said this, most people, not you, Cameron, most people don't know um, what, you know, a mRNA vaccine. There were just all these little terminologies. You know? I, I, I did, I did, I did struggle. I did, I struggled a lot with biology because it wasn't something, I'm very, I'm, I'm one of those people that really needs to learn by looking, seeing, and manipulating, even though yeah. they had pic pictures of these different molecules. I'm like, I can't. I just couldn't. I just couldn't figure it out. Now, I, right. I obviously I passed the classes, but I just, I just knew that being a doctor and, and studying biology and just, just wasn't for me because I just can't. And unless I can touch it, pick it up, I just can't pick up a cell. I just can't do right. that. You know? so, <laughs> I, so, so I, I couldn't. I could. That wasn't for me. So okay. See, I, lo I love biology, so I used to love that stuff. Okay. Uh, so Chris says, as a lung cancer survivor, I got the flu and pneumonia vaccines uh, when appropriate. Um, yes. Yes. Yes, those uh, are definitely definitely huge for people with underlying lung conditions and you know prevention. Listen to the doctor. Thank you, Christopher. <laughs> yeah, Chris is always showing me up, man. He's always. Showing me up. <laughs> uh, so actually, you know, I, I really I probably should get it because you know I had this I had the triple bypass and I can remember not being able to breathe and all that kind of stuff. So oh, yeah. it was it was it was that was that was devastating. Let me tell you, yeah. um, I could not imagine going through that again. Then he's telling me to listen to the doctor. He's telling everyone to listen to the doctor. Right? There's no, <laughs> there's no sense in me having you on the show. I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do. Right? <laughs> right. Okay. I should I should text you in two weeks. Mike, did you get your flu shot? This is your uh, reminder. Don't don't do that. Don't do that. Gonna, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Uh, let's see the thing. The this is uh, thinning, whether planned or not. I believe the average age of death is in the eighties. Is that the average age of death of people who are who are um, succumbing to this? Is in their eighties? Yeah. So over the age of so sixty five and older, of course, um, I would say sixty five and eighty five, and then people who are over their eighties are more likely to develop severe disease and die, unfortunately. Um, but sixty five years and older, that's that high risk category. If you want to look at age, um, in which they're more likely to develop severe severe disease, and yes, in that older age group, um, 
um, unfortunately, higher risk of contracting COVID, but then also higher risk of dying. That's why one of the um, the initial with the vaccine rollout um, were to vaccinate people at long-term care facilities because of more cases and more de- deaths found um, in that population. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then Nicole Marie says black excellence is dope. We were talking about the black doctors and scientists and mayors and all that. Kind yes, of stuff. I agree. Even- I yeah. agree. I agree. And listen, it's important that we see ourselves as representative and be have a seat at the table, right? And not yeah. just as as tokens, but but people right. But actually, actually have it. Yes, yes, I agree. Absolutely. I agree. And, and, that, and you know what? And that's what I've seen now. I think with COVID, with everything happening, on you know, really bringing to light the disparities and and um and inequities, and you know, a lot came out about race based medicine and changing formulas and. You know, I really I, I've really seen a lot of black doctors advocate for a lot of these changes. You know, so I always say going back to my medical education, I, you know, some of my teaching was biased. There's a calculator that we use to estimate, you know, renal function. It incorporates race. You know, race is a social construct. But for some reason, we're taught that race have an underlying genetic difference. So yeah, looking yeah. back at all these different things in medicine, you know, even the um, spirometer, if you're in a hospital, you the little device you blow into to help open your lungs, you know, that's a difference with that, that, you know, if you're Asian or if you're African-American or black, you know, you, you have a different, um, you know, it's a little bit different for you because they lo- use slaves back in the day when they developed this. You know, if you're um, a woman who've had a C-section, a black woman, there's a calculator you put into your calculator. What's her risk of having another a repeat C-section versus a success at a vaginal delivery after birth? A lot of those calculators incorporated the black race. And if race is a social construct, these calculators need, need to change, you know, and we have unfortunately adverse outcomes for blacks as a result. I I, I... I think I talked to you about this, but I certainly I started the plant based diet, the whole food plant based diet, yeah. um, because they had talked about um, when I was in the hospital doing my thing. You know, they they went down all these different risk factors, right? Of uh, uh, you know genetics and uh, being male, you you know for risk for hypertension and, and recurring uh, cardiovascular disease, and being male and and all, and then of course being black and this that. You know, Come on, stop saying that, right? So, yeah. so it's not it's not my genetic makeup. It's the right. fact that what I'm putting in my mouth. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so, so I got to stop putting this stuff in my mouth, right? right? So, if if my if my uh, inheritance of food is, for lack of a better term, if right, if that's what I'm eating is 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 a lot of macaroni and cheese with the with you know all these fattening foods and fried chicken and all that kind of stuff. Then you have to stop putting that in the mouth. In the right. mouth. Now, I wasn't doing all that, so so maybe there is a little bit more of a component, but. But, you know, since I changed my diet, it's, I feel so much better. So right. I, Be, I, wish, I really wish that they would stop saying not, Right. Yeah, being yeah, it's, black it's by itself is not reason. Right. Right. And, and that's, and, you know, and unfortunately, you know, in medical school, we're, we're taught. I mean, of course, there's some more common disease like sickle cell you're commonly found, you know, in the black race. But in medical school, it's like this is ingrained. This is this is what you're taught. And, you know, fast forward all these years later. And, and and I'm like, oh, that's that's not even right. I mean, yes, if race is social, I mean, why am I being taught that, you know, the black bodies have a, a completely different makeup? And right. a lot of that stem from, you know, theories um, from slavery. If you get a chance, you know, I always bring up books. I'm in the middle of reading Medical Apartheid. Um, You're so reading it again? We talked about that. You're reading yes, it again? I went, yes, I went back over it. I said, I'm in, yes, I'm telling you the first I can't time get through I, I, missed, it. I can't get through it. I missed so many things. I'm going back through it again and I'm highlighting because it's so important. I'm telling you, it's it's so it's key history um for blacks in medicine that that so I mean, like I said, I, I learned a lot of stuff and I'm just like, dang, this was nowhere in my medical education, my residency education. 
you know, but it, to me, stuff makes sense. So, well, I know you're not going to read it twice, but at least get through <laughs> it once. <laughs> so say the book again. I know I kind of cut you off. Say the book again. Yeah. Medical Apartheid. Um, it is by, I think her last name is Washington. Um, you can go ahead and talk. I'm like looking up the author. Right uh, so I tried to, I tried to uh, read it and I got. Harriet Washington. Yes. Harriet Washington. I got through a couple chapters and I'm like, I, I just can't, I just can't do, do it. That. Um, but I will, I will try again, and uh, maybe I have you back on. Maybe I have you back on. Find talk. like some cliff notes, cliff notes, or something like on YouTube. No, I like to. I, I don't like to cheat. I mean, <laughs> I don't like to cheat. But yeah, I, I would say by far, I think that's my 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 favorite favorite book. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah wow. Discussing issues in in medicine and in blacks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it certainly does have a lot to do with our our apprehensiveness in in getting. Uh, treatment, healthcare, going to the doctor, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I know. And even I know, right now, what we're experiencing, you know, getting the COVID vaccine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, certainly, certainly, it's something I'd like to look into. Um, uh, well, we can talk about this another time. But, but just, <laughs> just, the, just the whole uh, epigenetic kind of thing. You know, things that are in our DNA, right? That that we don't realize that are there, right? The reason that we is it is it more cultural that we don't go, or is it something that we are genetically predisposed because of the history that we don't do certain things right, right so that's, that's something, yeah 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 so that's something i like to explore one day so maybe i'll okay. maybe i'll do my own study about that or something I don't know. <laughs> so so i thank you once again so so we got a couple minutes just a couple minutes um just give us your best spiel as to why someone like myself who's i don't know kind of kind of dumb <laughs> or <laughs> so, someone like myself to talk me into and other people into it, male, female, black, white, whatever, why they should get the vaccine. I think you should get the vaccine because um, it saves lives. And I think this is the best preventive in addition to wearing the mask and practicing the other measures that we have right now. Um, uh, and we're seeing too many people die. And I agree with Dr. Jones, what she said that I rather um, suffer the side effects of this vaccine compared to dying prematurely um, from contracting COVID-19. So I would say, bottom line, it's an opportunity to save lives. So I think you should get it. And after you get the vaccine, you still have to wear your mask, right? Yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. Well, the thing well, where they're looking at, I mean, it's a whole nother like five or 10 minutes, but, um, <laughs> you know, they're definitely getting, there's, there's some concern, you know, can people um, just with transmission, it I means some, it's some detailed scientific stuff with that. But right now, yes, still wear your mask, um, you know, after you get the vaccine. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> I just I, thank I, you so much. I love I love coming on here and, and talking and you know this is this is this is a really really important topic as well as historic times and yeah. you know that that we're going through right now. I will uh, I'll try to get through medical apart time. We'll, we'll have a we'll have a chat about it. I'll try to get through okay. it again. I, okay, I, I, maybe, maybe maybe we can discuss a chapter or something. <laughs> no, I'm gonna if I if I say I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read the whole thing. I, I'll read the whole yeah. thing. We can just, talk about just, it. And, yeah, like I said, I, I've been taking my time with it, but as I wanted to go back there, so I feel like I, I, I missed some key things. Yeah, um, I really want to make sure I, I know because um, I mean, it's, to me, it's, it's the foundation for me. You know, I'm in medicine. This is stuff I don't know. This is you know, black people, and I need to know. It's, it's the foundation for so many decisions. And in the, in the reason I think the reason why we have some of the, the issues that we have today, 
um, going on in the healthcare system. We had talked about this before a little bit, just to give, give guys a recap. And I, I really want people to go back and listen to our show is uh, about when we talked about you becoming a doctor is because um, we had talked about, you know, your history in medi reading medical part-time. You understand so much more today about where we are today. And I, I felt the same thing when I went through the police academy, right? They're telling me about, uh, you know, the noble uh, Sir Robert Peel um, and the Peelian principles that he started over in England about the, the police of the public and the public are police. And then fast forward to how the, the Bobby system or the policing system uh, got over here to America and it was completely different, right? They're, they're chasing down these, they're runaway slaves and all that kind of right, stuff, right? Mm -hmm. right? So, so th there's a history here that that isn't really taught, and that's really important that we all understand and that we all get to. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I I I understand exactly what you're saying about how you feel about the medical field, right? This is my history, yeah. and I should know it as a medical professional and as a police professional. I mean, it's very important. And that's that's one thing I advocate in my book here. I know I get it in somehow, right? <laughs> Everybody, pick up your copy of Police Reform. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be on Kindle in, in a few weeks, uh, so you guys can get a, get, a, get an e reader as well. Um, one thing I do advocate for is is a truth telling uh, in police academies and in, in criminal justice classes. Right, stop telling people only about Sir Robert Peel and the, the shires and sheriff systems and all that kind of stuff. We have to talk about how history uh, of policing was was. Um, was uh, established here in America, the slave catching in the South right, and yeah. the protection of property uh, in in the North, right? It was all protection of, of people's right, property. Right. So we have to tell that story, so. Yeah, no, I agree, I agree. And then the, the you know, the black bodies were typically used for the, uh, you know, experiments and trying this and trying it. And yeah, that's the, there's there's like, I actually read a little short article about that with understanding how the police were, were forming. Actually, I didn't even know that myself. It was a short little article um, that I saw online. I can't even remember which, where I was reading it at, but I myself didn't even know their history uh, when it came to the, how the police were formed. And a lot of people don't. It's really until you read an article like that or when I read uh, another book, um, Our Enemies in Blue uh, by Kristen, mm -hmm. Kristen Williams. Okay. Uh, actually, I'm going to reach, I keep meaning to read out, reaching out to him because I want him to be on the show, Kristen Williams, um, Our Enemies in Blue. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he really talks about not just, you know, that aspect of it, but how the police were just used as an as a buffer between the the uh, rich class and the lower classes, right? They broke up uh, union meetings and suppressed the LGBT uh, and suppressed uh, the women's right to vote and all these different yeah. entities. You know, the police uh, were the enemy of the people, right? And only doing the bidding right. of the rich. So it's really mm -hmm. something, really something to explore. And we'll leave it here with with my man Chris again. He says, "Keep washing your hands." Too. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So thanks again. We'll look to have you back on for your fifth time or we'll keep you keep coming back here. So thank you to everyone who, uh, yeah. who tuned in. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so guys. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I hope that uh, the doctor did say something as Chris said, again, let me pull up his, uh, his comment here. Cause he's always got something, some wise words here. Listen to the doctor. She's telling us to go get your uh, vaccines, flu shots, and uh, make sure that you listen to her, right? So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Tomorrow we got a show. Uh, we're going to be talk about uh, a cuffing season. You know what cuffing season is, Doctor? <laughs> you know what cuffing season is? 
Yes. Okay, okay. So we got to talk about coffins. We got to have a fun show tomorrow right before Christmas, right? People Coffee season. Well, make sure you don't be doing too much uh, gathering, uh, maintain that physical distance there. Yeah, Lisa, mm-hmm. as, much, as much as you can, right? Or or just wash your hands and wear your mask while you're cuffing and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what, tomorrow, that's what tomorrow's show is about. Cuff, cuffing season, 7.30 tomorrow night. Thank you so much to the doctor. And we'll guys, we will see you uh, again. Thank you. Thank you.